Church, we're starting a new sermon series this month, and it's called Fearless. And we're going to be talking about the fears that some of us struggle with, the things that we, we really worry about. And you know, the Bible tells us 365 times in the Word, maybe even more, to fear not. And because, you know what, God knows that we struggle. He knows that we struggle with our thoughts. He knows that we, we even get in our own heads and we all have things that we're afraid of. Man, in Psalm 27 verse 1, it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then if you go on to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, man, and I love this, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, church, God truly has not given you a spirit of fear, and some of us need to hear that this morning. He has not given that to you, Lord. That is from the enemy. The enemy is the one that plants those thoughts, those fears in our hearts and minds. The fear is not of God. It's not of God. It's not from him. But God has given us a spirit of love, as it says there in 2 Timothy chapter 1. So, so God wants us, more than anything, church, he wants us to connect with him intimately. And today, the, the title of our sermon is A Fear of Intimacy. A lot of us struggle in that area, a fear of intimacy, drawing close to other people. God wants us to first connect with him. Do you realize that God created you to have an intimate relationship with him? He didn't create you to maybe be a school teacher. He didn't create you to be a doctor, a lawyer. And that's not initially what God created you for. He created you to have an intimate relationship with him. So I want to make sure, since we're going to be talking about intimacy today, I want to make sure you understand the definition of that. Webster's Dictionary defines intimacy as this, close familiarity or friendship and closeness. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And then out of an intimate relationship with God, do you realize that his perfect love drives out all fear? It will drive out all that fear, and then we are able to intimately connect with one another. Yeah. You want to know why you maybe struggle with intimate relationships with other people? It might be because you do not have an intimate relationship with God. You're not where you need to be with him. So today we're going to be looking at having an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father and the fear of having those intimate relationships but see, the problem is this. Each and every one of us, so many of us have not become secure. We have not become secure in an intimate relationship with God. So what you're doing now is you're transferring that into that intimate relationship with other people. And see, the process goes like this. How many of you can get in your own head? You know what I'm talking about? The, the enemy will plant a thought in there, and then you just like grab that ball and you run with it, don't you? You run with it and, and you mess with yourself. You know, maybe you have these conversations with yourself like, you know, hey, if people only knew me. <laughs> if they only knew the real me, then they wouldn't want anything to do with me. If you really knew the way that I am, that, that you might not like me, I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm completely afraid of being rejected, so I, I will not open up my heart to you. If I show you what is really inside of me, then you probably will reject me. If I share my dreams, my visions, my secrets, 
then you may reject me. And what happens is, church, that scares us, doesn't it? And we think like this, I've been hurt before, right? I've been betrayed before. People gave me their word, didn't live up to their word. And people I gave my trust to, you know what? They let me down. And that is why I'm afraid. That's why I'm afraid of having an intimate relationship. That's why I'm afraid of drawing close to people because I've been let down before. I've been hurt before. And we can take this even a little bit further, church. Let's talk about the marriage relationship. You know, if you desire a good marriage, if you desire a great marriage, then you cannot have a fear of those kind of relationships. You cannot have a fear of being intimate with your spouse. You know what? You, you, you see your parents. Maybe you went through this in your life. You saw your parents just have a horrific marriage that ended in divorce. And, and so you're like, you know what? Man, I take that firsthand. I saw it. You know, the pain of that. And you think, I never want my kids to go through that. I don't want them to witness that. So therefore, I'm afraid of intimacy. What if we get married? What if the same thing happens to us? What if we fight all the time? You know, what if my spouse is unfaithful? How many of you have been burned? How many of you have been hurt really bad in a relationship? I believe all of us have. And you know what, church? Seriously, your pain is very real. Your pain is very real. It's not to be minimized. Today, I want to look a little for a hot minute here. In the Old Testament, we see a story of a guy. We see a story of a guy who went through this real kind of pain, and his name was Job. Now, see, Job invited some very close friends into the intimate parts of his life. You know, he was sharing his thoughts with them. He was sharing his dreams, his pains, and his struggles. And then one day, events that were way beyond Job's control Things went south in his life. And his friends, rather than stand beside him, you know what they did? <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what they did. They criticized him. They accused him of wrongdoing. They gossiped about him. They talked behind his back. They said all kinds of nasty, nasty things about him. And so check out the pain that was coming through in his words about a broken relationship. If you look with me in Job chapter 19, verse 19, this is what he said. He said, all my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. So Job, see, what he did here is, is he opened himself up to his friends. He, he shared his life with them. He, 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 you know, was experiencing things. He said, this is where I'm at. This is what I feel like. And then when things went crazy, they all abandoned him. They burned him and they hurt him. You can almost hear the fear seeping through those words. My intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. You can hear that pain of those broken relationships with him. And so it's kind of like, what am I going to do now kind of deal. Church, so many people are living with the fear of intimacy because of the past pains of life. Life can be difficult, right? It can be very hard. And people deal with that because of those past pains. And your pain is real, as I told you. Your pain can be very real. But so many of us, because of those pains, because of the struggles we went through, that fear of intimacy, what we do is we build up walls, we build up walls to protect our hearts, to protect it. We won't let anyone in. We won't let people know our real needs. We won't let people know where we stand. And we kind of say with our actions, you might not be saying with our words, church, but we say with our actions, you know what? I'm not going to let you get close to me. 
I'm going to kind of keep you far enough. You stop right there. That's as close as I'm going to let you. You're not going to get close. I, I have to keep a safe distance because of what I've been through. I don't feel safe when I am real. When I'm very real with people, I don't feel safe. And I don't feel safe when I'm close with people. Because you know what? I don't want to get hurt again. I will never let anyone abandon me again. I will ne never let anyone hurt me again. I'll just have to make it on my own. So church, before we look at overcoming this fear of intimacy, I want to show you first and foremost how this fear of intimacy can actually harm us. How it can really harm us. The first way it can harm you is this. The fear of intimacy can make you distant. It can make you distant. Actually, that you aren't even really present with people. You know, I'm going to keep you at arm's length. We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, if you'll look at it with me. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says this. But the Lord God called to man, meaning Adam, and he said this. He said, where are you? So God's calling out to Adam, and he says, where are you at? And in verse 10, Adam answers. He said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And so what he's doing here, he's like, man, I distanced myself from you, Lord. I distanced myself from you, God, because of what I've done, because of my pain. And also, I distanced myself from Eve, Lord. I was afraid because I was naked. And in church, our fear of intimacy, what it can do is it can cause us to struggle. It can cause us to keep people kind of like it, it, what we would call a safe distance. I don't want you too close to me. I can't afford to get hurt again. And so here's what we do. We hide. When we feel vulnerable, we hide. We hide from everything. Sometimes, church, we can even hide in front of everybody. You can be surrounded with 300 people, and you're still hiding. You're putting that mask on. You're covering it up. You're saying, you know, I, I don't want to let anybody in. I don't want to, anyone to really see who I am because I've been hurt. I'm afraid. I'm vulnerable. And, and so we're hiding. So my question to you this morning, church, is this. What are you hiding behind? Every single one of you, I want you to think about this for a minute. What is it that you are hiding behind? Maybe you're hiding behind your image. You, you, you've been able to build an image up of yourself. Guys, man, guys are really good at this. Right? Guys will hide behind, you know, that fake, cocky attitude. You know, we act like we're a lot more than what we really are, right? We'll hide behind that. Some of us, you know what we'll do, church? We even hide behind our humor. We are hurting so bad inside. And so what we do is we just bust jokes all day long, don't we? Because I don't, I don't want anyone to see that I'm hurting. I don't want anyone to see that, that, that I'm struggling, some of us hide behind our fake confidence. You know, kind of fake it till you make it. I'm going to put the mask on. I'm going to just act very confident, even though inside I'm like a little boy, just crying and asking for help. Some of us, church, we hide behind some of our insecurities or even addictions, church. We can hide behind our addictions. Our fear of intimacy can make us distant. That's the first thing that can cause you a lot of harm. The second thing is this. The fear of intimacy can make us defensive, can it? We are so defensive almost instantly, right? I ain't taking the blame for none of this. I'm not taking the blame for any of it. You know, it's always everybody else's fault, right? <laughs> I struggle with that. 
I'm always wanting to pin that blame on somebody else. And so you can even watch the very first blame game being played out again in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. And the man said, remember, this is God came to Adam. Where are you at? Where are you? God already knew what has taken place. Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit. They were told not to do it, right? So Adam, where are you at? And then it goes on. In verse 12, it says, the man said, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. <laughs> the blame game, very first time it was ever played out, Adam's like, it ain't my fault. It's the woman that you put here. I didn't ask for her. You put her here. Your fault, God. It's all on you and her. But then it goes on in 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And I love what Eve did. The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So now she is trying to pawn the blame off on somebody else, right? It's not my fault, Adam says. It's the woman's fault. Blame God, too. <laughs> you put her here. In other words, the devil made me do it, is what Eve said. So what do we see here? The fear of intimacy can make you defensive, right? can make you defensive. How often do we hear or even say, church, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault. It, it, you know, if you were different, if you were different, then things would be different. You always do this. Man, I love to hear that one. You always do this. You never do that. It's all your fault. <laughs> it all started in the, in the garden, church. When Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> little dad joke for you right there. That's a bad one. I know that. <laughs> Let's move on. That's a dad joke. <laughs> so the fear of intimacy can cause us to be distant. It can cause us to be defensive. It can cause both of those things. So today what I really want to do, I've been praying about this sermon since we started working on it this week. I've been praying about it. Here's what I've been praying, that we let God's word that you and I, we will let God's word penetrate our hearts in a life-changing way today. And by his spirit and by his word, church, I promise you, we can overcome our fears. We can overcome our fears. So how can we overcome the fear of intimacy? The very first way you can do it is this. You can take a prayerful, relational risk. You hear what I'm saying? A prayerful relational risk for an intimate relational return. You take a prayerful relational risk for an intimate relational return. I'm saying it's prayerful. You take a prayerful risk. Not this random haphazard risk like a lot of us like to do. You know what? We have to be prayerful about it. We have to really pray about who we're going to invest our hearts in. Who we're going to let take care of our hearts. And what that means to be prayerful is like, Lord, point them out to me. Lord, show me who I can trust. Show me who I can share with. Show me where, where, where I can do this. And so in order for you and I to have genuine intimacy, in order for that to be achieved, we've got to take a risk, right? We've got to take a risk. We cannot be in control. You and I, we can't be in control and achieve intimacy. How many of you guys have control issues? 
You know what I'm talking about? Like you want to maneuver everything, don't you? I, I'm planning it. I'm working it. You know, some of you guys have been that way since you were children. You know, when I was a kid, I love, I still do. I like to be in control. I get accused of it all the time. The right, I don't always admit it. I blame it on somebody else sometimes. But I do. I like to be in control. When I was a kid, I remember playing Monopoly. You know what job I wanted in Monopoly? I wanted to be the banker because you were in control. Plus, you could take personal loans when nobody was looking. That's what you could do. But seriously, we cannot be in control and achieve intimacy. You cannot hold the upper hand and achieve intimacy. You cannot keep an ace up your sleeve and and achieve intimacy. We must take a prayerful risk. And when we risk, we're vulnerable, aren't we? You're trusting someone. You realize we could be hurt. We could be hurt by this, but it is a risk that we cannot afford not to take. We cannot afford not to take. It's a scary risk, but it's even scarier not to risk it. This, about three months ago, I had a lady contact me who, she went to church here when she was a kid. She moved down south, haven't seen her since, and she somehow has been keeping up with the church, and, and she just called and wanted to talk to the preacher, and so we were talking. I remembered her very well, and I asked her how she was doing, and she told me this. She said, I'm so lonely. And I remember this lady, even as a high school student, high school students usually don't pay attention to any of their surroundings. I remember paying attention to this lady. She never had anyone to sit with at church. She was never married. She didn't have friends and all these things. And so this lady opened up to me. And she said that I never, ever took a chance on relationships. She never took a chance to find a husband. She never took a chance to find true friends because she was afraid of being rejected. And she said, I am so lonely. She said, I've spent my entire life being alone. And so, of course, a reinforced said, listen, God is with you. You are never alone. He is always there. And we roll through those things. But do you realize, church, how many of us, we forfeit relationships with people because we're afraid We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid that that, that things will happen to us in our lives. So we have to put our hearts online. We do. On the line, and you put yourself in a position, and you might get hurt, but you prayerfully take a risk. You prayerfully take a risk. Man, we can look at marriages today, church. There are so many marriages today. Marriages that are struggling, what they have is a fault, a false intimacy. They have this false intimacy. It's not real to them. It's just a game. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll, we'll put on a face. We'll, we'll, we'll fake it, all these kind of things. And you want to talk about loneliness. You want to talk about loneliness. I know some people are really lonely. Like, I'm so lonely, I want to be married. And I understand that. I, I can get that. You know what's even more? Has more intense loneliness than to not be married. It's this people in marriages that are not real with each other. You want to talk about lonely. It's even an extreme loneliness that you lie in bed with somebody every single night that you truly don't know. It can consume you. Man, I've seen many great girls who have given up in relationships. You know, men are losers, right? You can't trust them. They're all scumbags, you know, and they just give up. They, they just give up. Do you know how insulting that is to God? To say that all men 
are losers. You're basically saying that God is not a big enough God, that he can't change the heart of a man. He can. I know people who call call themselves Christ followers, Christ followers, and they don't have any friends who are Christians. How do you expect to be all that God has for you? How do you expect to be all that God has for you without his people praying for you and supporting you? Seriously. In my whole life, most of my friends, most, most of the people who have been there for me, who have surrounded me, have been my church family. When, when situations go bad, man, your church family needs to be there. Listen, we have a responsibility. And I apologize right now to anyone here who has struggled in your church. We, our church family, has not been there for you. We got to get better at it, church. We really do. We have to get better at it. But how can you expect to grow? How can you expect to be all that God wants you to be without his people praying for you and supporting you in the intimacy This intimacy, it's a scary risk, but it's even scarier to go through life, to go through life without the spiritual and intimate connection with God's people. It's scary. He wants us to have it. You know, Paul, I really love how Paul defines the qualities of love. It's one of my favorite verses. I read it at every single wedding that I do. But this is something that I want you to see and how this can actually connect to this sermon. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse love, you know, Paul's given the definition of love. You know what? You love Pop-Tarts, right? You love pizza. You love your car. But Paul's saying, no, that's not what it's about. It's so much deeper than that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, he's saying this, it always protects. Love always protects, church. It always trusts. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. Do you understand? That's an intimate relationship. An intimate relationship always protects. You protect your people. You do. You protect your people. An intimate relationship always trusts, always trusts. An intimate relationship always hopes, and it always perseveres. So I ask you this morning, church, how many of you have given up hope? How many of you have given up hope? Never give up hope, church. Never give up hope. How many of you have stopped trusting? And you don't trust anybody. I want to tell you, you trust God first. You trust him first and watch his trust invade your heart. Watch his trust invade your heart in a way that that you, church, will begin to see and and, and you will believe in his power to work in people. You will see it. It's a scary risk, but it's even scarier not to risk. The second thing is this, church. How do we have this intimate relationships? How do I not have a fear of it? Avoid premature intimacy. Really, you got to get this this morning. You have to avoid premature intimacy. With everything in you, you avoid a premature intimacy in a relationship. So, of course, you make a prayerful relational risk, and then you avoid that premature intimacy. And so it's, you don't walk right up to a perfect stranger, say, hey, how are you? And then just vomit on them all your problems. You don't do that. You just don't do that. There are a lot of people that do that. But you know what? Especially in the love and the relationships too. 
man, in the love and the relationships, avoid premature intimacy. You know, I just met you kind of think, oh, I love you. (laughs) You don't do that. When I used to be in charge of youth group, I used to tell all the girls all the time, you beware them scumbag boys out there who, like, after they meet you in three minutes, are going to tell you how much they love you and been waiting for you. They got something else in mind. But you don't, you don't instantly, someone you just met that I love you, you don't love them. You don't know them. How can you love them if you don't know them? You are in love with the idea of being in love is what you are in love with. You are in love with the image not the substance. That's what it is. I love what Solomon said to the Shulamite women in Song of Songs. If you'll look at this, Song of Songs chapter 8, verse 4, and he's giving these ladies some advice. Very Remember, Solomon was wise, crazy wise. That's the gift that God gave him. And in verse 4 of, Sol- of Solomon chapter 8, verse 4, he says this, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. He's saying, all you chicks, you guard your heart. You guard your heart until the time is right. The time is not right five minutes into the relationship. You avoid premature intimacy. Don't give your heart away every single time you go on a first date. You you, you, you look at me, I love him. I do, I love him. What do you love about him? Oh, he smells good, right? Thankfully, he smells good, but you don't love him because he smells good. You know, the guys, you know, I love her. I, I fell in love with her instantly. You do, what do you love about her? She fine. That's what it is. That girl fine. No, you don't fall in love with her because she's fine. You know, and then there's this, I love you. I don't love you. I love you. I don't love you. This ping pong game back and forth and back and forth church some of us what we do is we play this emotional Russian roulette right we're just going back and forth and back and forth so what do we do church what happens is we engage in premature intimacy and when you engage in premature intimacy what happens is this then you settle for false intimacy you're settling for a false intimacy man we could even take us a step further Sexual relations outside of marriage. Church, I want you to know it's wrong, okay? I don't care how much you love them. It's wrong. And what happens is false intimacy takes place there outside of marriage. It's not the real thing. It's a false intimacy. True intimacy is this, saying, I lay down my life to serve you. I lay down my life to serve you. I submit my heart to you. I I submit to you my soul and and my being to you in the covenant of marriage is where that's at. That's where it's at. So we avoid premature intimacy. We avoid it, church. You must take a prayerful relational risk to achieve an intimate relational return. But you know what? You avoid premature intimacy. Some of you, you're in relationships. Right now, you're sitting here today, and you're in relationships. They're not authentic. I'm serious. Listen to me. You're in a relationship that is not being authentic. You've got to be honest with who you are. You've got to be completely honest with, with, with who you are. This is who I am. This is my heart. These are my fears. 
These are the things, and these are my hesitations, right? You, you lay it bare to those that you are in love with. You be real with them. You know, when I was a, a really young man, and Mary and I had been dating for a little while, and, you know, when you get to a certain age in life, it's like all your friends are getting married all at once. You know, I remember that one summer, I believe it was like six weddings that we had to go to. Now, I love my girl with everything I had. But, you know, I, I had some hesitations. I did. Didn't, wasn't the fact that I didn't love her. I remember my parents sat me down one time. They, they, they talked to me about it. They knew it was coming. And they said, you know, are you going to love her with everything you have? Can you put her first? You know, can, can you put her son first? Can you do all these things, put them in front of you? I'm like, man, why'd you tell me that? Now I got to think. And so... All these weddings start happening, and Mary was my forever wedding date, okay? Went to the first one, we're smiling, having a good time, buddy got married, ooh, this is awesome. Went to the second one, every single wedding we went to, things went downhill. My girl was getting crabby, because <laughs> she didn't have a ring, and I had hesitations Okay, I had hesitations because I, I was young. I was 23 years old, <laughs> mentally about 16. But I, I was very young, and I had these hesitations. And, and one of my things was, this is for real, I was scared to give her that ring because it wasn't paid off. How do you explain to your girl if they come repossess a ring off her finger? <laughs> I, was, I was scared. But of course, I told her one day, Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm scared. We talked about. We laid it bare. We, we were honest with each other. And here we are. So you know what, church? In these relationships, you've got to be honest. This is who I am. This is my heart. These are my fears. These are my hesitations. You know, I trust you. I trust you to love me for who I am. And that's where we need to be. And if you don't have that, seriously, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Your relationship is false. If you do not have that, you don't have anything. So you must take a prayerful, relational risk for an intimate, relational return. Man, in 1 John, if you'll hear this with me, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you hear those words, church? When I read that, and I'm sure I read it before, and when I read that this week, it slapped me upside the head. It did. It caught my attention. There is no fear in love. There's none. Because perfect love will drive out that fear. Drive it out. It doesn't say it'll, it'll casually fade away. The Bible says it drives it out. It pushes it out. So number one, we take those, we take those things, church, and what we do is we, we, we have that avoiding the premature intimacy. But then what we have to do is this. Before we risk it, before we risk it, church, here's what we got to do. This is the kicker. This is really what I want you to get out of everything. This will make your relationship make sense. It says before we risk, take that risk of a relationship, 
we must find security, acceptance, and intimacy with Christ Jesus. You want your relationship to honestly work. You have to find security in Christ Jesus. You want your relationship to work. You have to find acceptance in Christ Jesus. You want to have intimacy in your relationship. Then you've got to have intimacy with Christ Jesus first. Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew 22 verse 37. It says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So Jesus, he's laying it out here. He says, you love God. You love him with everything that you got. Everything, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. So you risk it, right? You risk it out of that intimacy. So first we start with that intimacy with God, right? Through, through Christ Jesus. That's what verse 37 is telling us to do. Verse 38 says this, and this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Comes down to that, church, don't miss this. If you can't accept yourself, if you can't find that security in Christ, if you can't find that intimacy in Christ, then you cannot find intimacy with others. I mean, you might dip your toe in the pool every once in a while, but you're not going to find true, deep intimacy with other people until you find it with Christ Jesus first. And this is one of the most major problems that we have in relationships today. Man, I'm telling you, you've got to be equally yoked. Are you hearing me, church? All you people who are dating out there, you've got to be equally yoked. I'm talking about you are on the same page. You might not be on the same sentence right now, but you are on the same page. You've got to be equally yoked to have that true intimacy. And this is one of the most major problems, like I said. If you constantly criticize yourself, do you realize something, church? You will be convinced that everyone else is also criticizing you. Stop criticizing yourself all the time. If you don't trust yourself, you will not believe how many people say, man, I don't trust myself. <laughs> That's pretty bad. If you don't trust yourself, you aren't gonna trust anyone else either. You must find security. You must find acceptance and you must find intimacy in Christ. I had a guy tell me one time, when I first started preaching, he told me, he, he came and he said, man, your message was really good. He said, there's something you gotta work on. And I'm that guy, my initial reaction, if you give me pointers, I feel like, you, why are you coming up against me, right? I got over that for a quick second. I said, what, what's your pointers? He told me this. He said that you can't preach open and transparent about yourself. And that floored me. He was being very sincere. He said, a minister, as a minister, you have to be a step above everyone else and you being real the way that you're being real is very dangerous. And I sat there for a quick minute and I thought about it. I said, you know what? Man, I sat in church my whole life and I never heard preachers saying, here's where I struggle, here's where I fail. And they never said it. And I had this image in my head, I can never get there to where you're at. I can never be there. Because I'm struggling all the time. Man, I'm hurting all the time. And I believe personally, when we, are giving, when we are giving God's word out, when we are being ministers, we have to be real. We have to be transparent. Here's where I struggle. I'm right with you. 
I understand how you feel because I do too. We have to be open. We have to be honest about who we are in church. It's a risk that I take. It's a risk that you take. And when we open up our hearts, when we are completely vulnerable, and sometimes, church, it's going to hurt. It will hurt sometimes because people attack back. So why do I do it? Why do I do it this way? Because I believe that God wants us to be open and honest and transparent. Because you know what? I'm also a firm believer that if you can't be honest and transparent with people, you then will also try to transfer that to God. If your whole thing in life is, let me put a mask on, let me fake it, let me do this, this is what I want you to believe, this is what I want you to think, this is what I want you to do, what you're doing is training yourself that you're going to have one heck of a time being open and transparent with your God. Don't be dumb. He already knows all about you. But he wants you to be open, honest, and transparent. I want you to know, church, that when we are real with God, when you are open, you lay it bare. When you are real with God, you know what? He'll connect with you. He will. He will connect with you. And when he connects with you, you will never, ever be the same. You've experienced the one true God, the one true king, and he will change you. So, church, we've got to learn to accept one another in our struggles. We've got to learn to to minister to each other. In Romans chapter 15, I want to wrap it up with this last verse, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come up here. In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, it says this, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. So that God will be given glory. Church, we are supposed to accept one another. Don't you dare construe what I'm saying. That doesn't mean that all the things that God tells us is wrong, that you're just like, oh, you're okay. You go ahead and live your life. Smile. I heard at the Bible college, we got to stop letting people go to hell happy. But you love them. You minister to them. You care about them. And church, I got to tell you something this morning. I got to ask you something. Do you realize that you are special to God? You really are. I know that sounds churchy. I know that sounds like, oh, of course you're the preacher, you're gonna say that. I'm being dead serious this morning. Do you realize how special you are to God? That he loves you, that he cares for you, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He wants you, church. He doesn't want you to do life alone. That's why he surrounds you with people. Recognize the good people that God is surrounding you with. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with them as well. But we have to take a prayerful, relational risk. And do you realize you also have to take that with your Heavenly Father? I remember when I gave my life to Christ, it was hard for me. You know why? I was a young man. But it was so hard for me because you know what? I had to go and lay myself bare. I had to admit, which was hard for me, my shortcomings. I had to admit all the things that I've done wrong. I had to admit that was bad. But I also had to recognize that's what he wanted for me. He wanted me to humble myself and expose myself to him.
So we have to take a prayerful relational risk, not only with the people around us, but also with your heavenly father. And we can ask him, church, to minister to us in only the way that he can, nobody else can. He's the only one that can do that. And so how many of you this morning, as we wrap this up, how many of you lack intimacy in your relationships in your life? That you're fearful. Maybe you have a really rough marriage. There's no intimacy in your marriage. Listen to me, church. God can fix that. You know, maybe you don't have many great Christian friends. God can fix that. Open your eyes. He's placing people in front of you. How many of you have lost trust in people? God can fix that. So I want to encourage you this morning to commit to taking a risk. You're going to commit to taking a risk. Some of you, you're going to have to come out of hiding. (laughs) You're hiding behind stuff. You're saying, I'm going to have to do this. You're going to have to come out of hiding, church, so he can make you whole. So he can make you whole. So this morning, if this is hitting you hard, (laughs) I'm glad. Maybe this morning you are one of those people that you're going to have to take a relational risk this morning and you're going to have to confess to God. You're going to have to come before him. He's laying it heavy on your heart and you're going to have to say, I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm done running. I'm done hiding. God, I'm giving it all to you right now today. If that is you, I want to encourage you to come forward. There will be people up here to pray for you, help you in that. Remember, he's placing people around you so that you can have that intimate relationship. And you give your life to Jesus Christ and he will make you whole. So if that's for you, I want to encourage you to come forward and the rest of you believers who are here this morning. Years ago you did that, but maybe you're struggling today. Maybe, just maybe, you've been hurt along the way. Maybe church people have hurt you. Sometimes church people hurt you and you're struggling and your relationship with Jesus Christ isn't where it needs to be today and you're recognizing this because of his words in his sermon has penetrated your heart and you're like all right I got to get it right again guess what God will take you back he says I want you to come home so if that's for you this morning it's time for you to get it right again so how about it church let's stand again and let's sing I really want to encourage you to respond this morning.